mashup of several pieces that have one thing in common, although I don't think you would know what it is just by listening to them. But that thing in common is that they were all organized using mathematical precepts, but in very, very different ways. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted. Today's program is called Music of Math. And if you heard a little bit of one of those pieces that you really liked and you're thinking, darn it, I wish you hadn't faded it down so quickly, don't worry, because we're going to return to all of those pieces in the program. Honestly, between you and me, I'm a little bit surprised that after five plus years of doing this program, I'm just now getting around to this subject because it's a huge subject. Of course, uh, some people I posted on the interwebs and many people wrote back and said, well, isn't math always in music? And that's true to a certain extent, uh, probably because of the harmonic sequence. For example, the A that the oboist plays to start the orchestra rehearsal to tune everybody up is at 440. That is the frequency of that A. And if you double it an octave higher, you get the frequency A. 80. These ratios exist in all of the pitches that you hear in music. So yes, there is math inherent, and yet some composers are much more inspired by using mathematics than others, and this can include things like the golden ratio, the Fibonacci sequence, it could be a little bit more occult, like numerology, they could be inspired by counting, there's all kinds of different ways that we found as we were researching this show. And so on today's program, we're going to dive right in, have a lot of fun playing music by composers inspired by math. Let's play a little bit of an orchestral work by composer Mark Bowden. It's called Sudden Light. And Mark says it was inspired by Marcus du Sautoy's book, The Music of the Primes, and it explores the play of consonance and dissonance through the overtones of the harmonic series. So I chose to play this one first because I think this has the most traditional mathematical interpretation. Here's an excerpt of Sudden Light by composer Mark Bowden. We're going to hear the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, Grant Llewellyn, conducting.
That's an excerpt of the orchestral piece, Sudden Light. That's an intense piece of music, isn't it? <laughs> really, I think an incredible use of the orchestra by the composer Mark Bowden. And again, this was inspired by a book called The Music of the Primes, How Composers Have Used the Harmonic Series Over the Years. And of course, there's a, there's a fascinating way that could be a whole other, could be actually a radio series <laughs> about that alone. But I think the composer's done a really nice job with that in that work, Sudden Light. We heard Grant Llewellyn conducting the BBC National Orchestra of Wales. I'm exploring mathematics in music today, but don't worry. When you hear that, you might think, oh my gosh, it's going to be an hour of really cerebral, computer-driven music. But that's not true. (laughs) There's a lot of ways that composers have used math in music over the years, and and they can really, really create some resonant, wonderful, beautiful music. I'm going to turn to a piece by Misha Zupko. It's called Love Obsession. This is the last track on his new album, Eclipse, and it uses math in a very interesting way. Here he's using rigorous mathematical techniques to control the form and rhythmic evolution. So if you think about it, you can use rhythmic durations, 16th notes, 8th notes, what have you, in mathematical ways. And then he's using this to actually control the form here. So this isn't so much about the harmonic use like the previous piece. Here it's controlling the form. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, that sounds very, very cerebral. Yes, it is. (laughs) And yet it's a wonderful piece. Misha is a composer who I think achieves a synthesis between the head and the heart. Let's hear Love Obsession. This is for cello, piano, and wait for it, six pre-recorded cello tracks. We're going to hear all of that at once. It's going to be a very nice, heavy texture to the piece. We're going to hear Wendy Warner on cello and the composer himself, Misha Zupko, at the piano. Here is his piece, Love Obsession. Thank you. 
hearing the cellist Wendy Warner seven times, once live performing in the studio, but she's also performing with six previous versions of herself, six pre-recorded cello tracks, and she's playing with the composer himself, Misha Zupko, at the piano. The piece is called Love Obsession. We heard as much as we could fit in of the program today, and this is a piece of chamber music that is inspired by the idea of using mathematical precepts to set the form and the rhythmic structure of the piece, or at least the way that it develops is according to these mathematical precepts. Great music by Misha Zupko. Let's return now to the idea of composers using mathematics to derive their harmonies rather than in form or rhythm. Thinking of spectral music especially, this is a compositional technique that came around in the 1970s, came out of France, especially IRCOM, which was Pierre Boulez's electronic music center. There were composers like Gerard Griset and Tristan Murai, of course, who were using mathematical analysis of sound spectra to derive their works. And again, this sounds very, very cerebral, and yet it created some really otherworldly, wonderful music, in my opinion. I think that spectral music was a reason that it caught on. It became very, very popular for composers all over the world. And just in a, in a nutshell, when you're doing an analysis of the sound spectra, basically it's the harmonic ratios, again, like we're talking about, but going beyond what the human ear can hear, going way up into higher partials, and then transposing them back down to the realm where we can hear them, which is, of course, important in music. But what this gives them is very different relationships between the tones. Many times the instrumentalists have to actually retune their instruments to play spectral music. There's often an electronic component to it as well. Let's play a piece by Tristan Murai. It is called Desintegration or Disintegrations, and it's a long piece, so we're going to play an excerpt. This is a classic example of spectral music. We're going to hear Ensemble de la Tenerere with Yves Prin conducting, and there is definitely an electronic track to this piece. Music of Tristan Murai.
It's a very famous chamber piece written in the 1970s, came out of IRCAM in Paris. Music of Tristan Murai. The piece is called Desintegration, or Disintegrations. We heard an excerpt of it, and it was conducted by Yves Prin, leading the Ensemble de l'Itinéraire, which was one of the big ensembles for spectral music in France in the 1970s and 80s. If you're looking for anything by Gerard Grisset or any of the spectral composers, it's almost always recorded by that ensemble. So it's wonderful to be able to play that on the program today. Again, spectral music was one of the great initiatives of the 20th century. Now that computers were widely available, composers were using mathematical analyses of sound spectra to create their pieces. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. My theme on the program today is music of math, composers inspired by mathematics in all kinds of different ways, harmonically, rhythmically, form and structure, you name it. To subscribe to our podcast for streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, or for a complete playlist of what we featured on the program today, you can visit us at relevanttones.com. My theme on the program today is music of math, and perhaps like yourself, when I was first thinking of this idea, of course, it's kind of an obvious idea. There's so many relationships between math and music, from the harmonic sequence to so many other things. But my first thought was, I wonder if everything I'm going to find is going to be really, really dry and cerebral. And that has not been the case at all. This was a really, really fun show to research for me. There was just so much music that was being suggested to me by a lot of people. And the passion that people have for math and music is really, really incredible. I mean, you think of music as a passion thing. And then you think of math, oftentimes we think of math as a cerebral thing. And yet if you talk to a real mathematician, I mean, they use the same words we use in music, elegant, beautiful. It's almost like a religion to them. And so it's not surprising, actually, in, in retrospect, that this would be the case in some of the music. And that is certainly the case in this next piece. It's called As the Sunflower Turns on Her God. It's by composer Timothy C. Takich. And there is so much going on in this piece. I'm going to try to just summarize it quickly. The piece is based on both the golden ratio and the Fibonacci sequence. The golden ratio was discovered by Euclid and the ancient Greeks, and it is a ratio between part and part that is very, very pleasing to humans. And this is this could be art, it could be architecture, it could be music. The Parthenon is based on the golden ratio. Flowers in nature are using the golden ratio. And it's summarized in Greek by the Greek letter phi. This is actually an irrational number, not surprisingly. It's not a number that can ever be reached in its final form, much like the Greek number pi. The Fibonacci sequence now is a wonderful sequence of numbers discovered by Leonardo of Pisa. And what he found in this sequence is that if you take any number in the sequence, anywhere in the sequence, and divide it by its predecessor, you get a close approximation to phi. Of course, you can never quite get there, but in different parts of the sequence, you can get close. If you divide as many of them as you can, you you get pretty close, but again, it's an infinite number series, so you can never quite get there. It's a really fascinating concept. So he's using both of these concepts in the piece, and he goes a step further because it's a choral piece. He needs some text. They have to sing something. Well, Leonardo of Pisa explained the Fibonacci sequence in a metaphor, and so he's using the text of that metaphor in the original Greek. I love it. This is great. (laughs) So let's play it now. This is about a four minute piece. Again, it's a choral piece as the sunflower turns on her God. And we're going to hear the singers, Minnesota. And this is by Timothy C. Takich.
That's a four-minute gem for choir, not a long piece at all. It's because the text that he's using is actually an ancient Greek metaphor describing the Fibonacci sequence. And so he's using it in the original Greek. They're singing in the original ancient Greek, which I love. I think that's just fantastic. What a gem for the choir. A piece by Timothy C. Tackett. It's called As the Sunflower Turns on Her God. And it's using not only the Fibonacci sequence, but also the golden ratio. And these are things that exist in nature. Like I said, they're very, very pleasing to humans. So if you're listening to that music and you're just thinking, ah, it's because we're hardwired to like those things. In fact, it reminds me many, many years ago, I used to teach piano for a very long time and a woman that I was teaching was playing a Mozart sonata. And there's a part in the piece where it repeats kind of the same motive in around the circle of fifths several times. I mean, like six or seven times. And she actually stopped playing and she says to me, why is that just so pleasing. Why Why do I like to hear that so much? And I said, oh, that's great. I'm so glad you asked. It's because that circle of fists is just hardwired into us. We just absolutely love to hear it. And it's the same way with the golden ratio and the music as the sunflower turns on her god. So it's a great use of mathematics in a very non-cerebral way. As I was researching this program, music and math, I really wanted to find a lot of different kinds of pieces. I didn't want to just I mean, again, the harmonic series is, is such an obvious choice. I didn't want to only find composers who were using math in the same ways. And so I was really, really actively challenging myself to find composers I didn't already know, not to go with the obvious choices and find some interesting uses of math. And this piece certainly fits the bill. This is by composer Yonel Petroy. It's called Thesis, Antithesis, Synthesis. And here, what he's done is, is fascinating to me. He's taken a mathematical approach to playing chess. So these are specifically chess strategies that are mathematical in nature, not necessarily passionate the way that I play chess. It's <laughs> more of a passionate passion-based strategy. Uh, no, these are mathematical strategies for chess, and then he's applied them to music. And he's even used specific moves in mathematical strategies for chess, like the Gambit Evans or the Defense Francaise, and he's applied them to pitch levels in the piano. And so the piece actually moves. It's very methodic journey over the course of the piece that will eventually cover the entire territory of the keyboard, but it's all based on this mathematic approach to playing chess. It's a rather long piece, so we're going to have to excerpt it. But here is an excerpt of Thesis, Antithesis, Synthesis by composer Yonel Petroy, who we will also hear at the piano.
It's music for solo piano that uses chess as a kind of intermediary between mathematics and music. I love this idea, taking a mathematical approach to chess strategies and then translating that into music. And then going even kind of a step beyond that and using these permutations to eventually cover the whole layout of the keyboard. So he's kind of made this geographic map of the keyboard and he's used, he's assigned the different strategies to different parts of the keyboard, which he eventually will cover them all. That's Yonel Petroy's Thesis Antithesis Synthesis, and we heard him performing at the piano, too, as an excerpt of that piece. The next piece is another work for piano, but it also has electronics. This is by composer Ravi Kitapa, and it's called Diasporas. We're also going to hear a use of the golden ratio, like we heard in the choral piece, but we're also going to hear evenly distributed pitch sets. And a pitch set is pretty much exactly what it sounds like, a set of pitches. In fact, a lot of pitch set composers will tell you that, in their mind at least, a C major triad, for example, is nothing more than a three-note pitch set. And yet, as far as I can tell, when composers use pitch sets in our era, generally speaking, they, they do try to avoid things like major minor triads. They try to avoid certain harmonic leanings, like a leading tone. Uh, they try to have a little bit more flexibility in their harmonies than that. But that's a pitch set, definitely a mathematically derived pitch set. And this piece by Ravi Kitapa is also using what he calls constant rate acceleration, which is just kind of a fancy way of saying it gets faster. <laughs> Although, again, it's mathematically controlled. The piece is written for Carl Larson. We're going to hear him perform an excerpt of it. Here is an excerpt of Diasporas by Ravi Kitapa.
That's an excerpt of a piece called Diasporas by composer Ravi Kitapa, and we heard Carl Larson performing at the piano. There's also an electronic part there. There is this mathematically derived rate acceleration. Of course, the piece is just getting faster, but it's according to mathematic ratios. I really feel, to me at least, you know, when you think of diaspora, you think of people fleeing and scattering all over the world. The piece, to me at least, evokes that. And again, it really changes over time. The image that I had in the beginning was like a movie score or something. But boy, does it go off in a different direction. I really like the way that piece develops. That was a good find. I want to play a piece now that's just a lot of fun. This is by... Well, composer, reviewer, all around uh, interesting person, Tom Johnson. He used to work for the Village Voice in the 1970s. He's a fantastic music reviewer, a great composer. Almost everything that he has written is inspired by mathematics in some way or another. I I could do a whole show about Tom Johnson's mathematically derived music. But I'm going to focus on a really fun piece. This is a series of pieces called Counting Duets. I actually first heard members of 8th Blackbird perform this in a rock club in Chicago, and they just came out of nowhere, and they're all yelling one two three and they're clapping and what the heck is going on it was so much fun i've since learned that tom johnson has written numerous of these the musicians are instructed to count sometimes to clap but here is one of the counting duets this is viola yip and ellery trafford recorded live Oh, just a little bit of levity in the program today. That's one of the counting duets by Tom Johnson. We heard Viola Yip and Ellery Trafford performing live. I think it's a, a very fun approach to math. After all, counting is math. You have to remember that even the number zero had to be invented which is a, always a kind of an interesting concept to me. At any rate, we're going to go out now with a final piece by English composer Peter Maxwell Davies, who has been quite inspired by magic squares in his music. A magic square 
is a square that is divided into smaller squares. You put a number in each of the squares, but not a random number. It has to be so that the numbers will add up, no matter which way you go, horizontally, vertically, or diagonally, to the same value. And he's used this as an organizing principle in a lot of his pieces. Here is the London Sinfonietta, conducted by Michael Viner, to perform as much as we can fit of A Mirror of Whitening Light by Peter Maxwell Davies.
That's music of Peter Maxwell Davies, inspired by magic squares, a highly mathematical concept. I don't know that I could even make a magic square. That's where you have all of these numbers in a square, and no matter which way you add them up, they equal the same value. It seems to me pretty high-level mathematical thinking. <laughs> and uh, Davies has used that to organize this piece, A Mirror of Whitening Light. We can only feature an excerpt that was a London Sinfonietta performing, led by Michael Viner. That's all the time we have on our program today for music and math, but honestly, we've barely scratched the surface. And there are so many ways that composers are using mathematics in their pieces that are not obvious choices. So this is definitely a subject to which we'll return in the very near future. Relevant Tones has been produced by Sarah Zwinklis and additional production help provided by Rebecca Neidstedt. Relevant Tones is made possible by the generous support of the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music and the listener supporters of WFMT. I'm Seth Bostead from the WFMT Radio Network, Chicago.